Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Guess who's back, 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 back again? <laughs> no, is that not? <laughs> no, that was done so much better than I expected. I saw it in the notes, and so I knew that's where you were going, but you executed <laughs> Thank beautifully. You. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Recess Digress, guys, is back. We received an overwhelming response from everyone to continue the Recess Digress episode. So in this episode, we're getting chatty about experts, AI, and teachers pay teachers. Mm, I'm interested to get into that. But first, <laughs> let's hear a TSH from Jane. Jane says, oh boy, uh-huh. my TSH is students using artificial intelligence on assignments. Mm. Because of the newfound popularity of AI programs like ChatGPT, I have found countless students trying to avoid their assignments and copying off AI. I've spent an insane amount of time running every single piece that I have a minor suspicion about through an AI detecting program having whole class conversations, and talking to students privately about their assignments. Proving that AI was used on an assignment is difficult, so most students deny it and the administrators just brush it off. Any tips on creating a no AI environment? Thank you, ladies. Mm. Okay, you ready for my answer? Go for it. Jane, don't hate me, but right now I would say shake it off. Just let it go, okay? Be like Taylor. Be like Elsa, shake it off and let it go. As much as I feel like we could stress about our students utilizing AI, at the end of the day, if your administrators have not created protocols that are in place to make sure that this is not happening, I wouldn't worry about it. If these kids want to use their learning and that's how they want to be able to pull and say that they've done the assignment, Okay, sure, fine. Let's see how it continues for them. It's going to be a really hard lesson for them to learn. But right now, you're having it consume your time, your stress, and your thoughts all the time is not healthy for you. And I would just let it go. As much as and as hard as it is to say that, let it go and just give them that assignment. And you can even write down, you know, I'd be curious to know if this was done independently or if this was utilized with AI. And at the same time, it's like, I mean, kind of kudos to them because hopefully they're asking the right questions within AI to get the answers that that's needed. So that's impressive a little bit because AI doesn't necessarily give you the answers right away. You have to keep asking it questions so that it kind of generates and refreshes and redoes things. But I feel like if there's not a protocol in place, your administrators are not going to back you up. Just say, I'm done. Okay, you're going to pass these kids. Oh, well, (laughs) see what happens. Yeah, I feel like this is, it's giving me onion vibes. There are many layers to it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ogres are like onions. (laughs) Yes, yes. And obviously, it's not a black and white type of situation. There's a lot of gray area. And Bridget, I feel like I'm kind of on the same page. I think one of the layers or one of the issues is the fact that your administration, I was trying to say administrators and administration at the same time. I could not commit. Mm -hmm. Your administration is just brushing it off and not doing anything. That's a big problem. Yes. But it is not your problem. And there is... It creates problems for you, but there is only so much you can do and you can control. I also think Bridget brought up a really good point about the fact that, look, 
if we look for the silver lining, students do have to use some problem solving and some creativity to even get the AI to work. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that is valuable. I think it's something that we kind of overlook sometimes that look, going out and finding these tools, even though the tools are doing the quote unquote work for them, there is a level of problem solving and thinking behind the scenes that goes into it that is valuable, especially if AI is going to continue to be such a big part of our lives, like I suspect that it will be, you have to understand how to use it as a tool. It's no different than when we were in elementary school and our teachers are like, you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket. Guess what? We do. It's called a cell phone. And so things change and we have to adapt to that rather than constantly pushing back. And as Bridget mentioned, I feel like it's just not worth the time and energy trying to like prove that they did it through AI or to play this like gotcha. It will come back to bite them at some point if they have not put in the work. You know, it reminds me of those kids that kind of skate through middle and high school because they have that like basic level of intelligence, but they never learn how to study. And then they get to college and they really struggle because they haven't developed those skills. And that ends up being a big learning experience for them. So probably not the solution you were expecting to hear from us. But I just think at the end of the day, it's like, is it really worth, you know, kids are always going to find ways to like shortcut Mm -hmm. things. It's no different than those like cliff note books, right? Yes. Like instead of reading the whole book, they would that. just read the cliff notes, <laughs> right? And and again, I don't think it's, yes, it is a bad thing to a certain degree, but at the same time, it's like you got to pick and choose your battles. And if you really wanted to, you can have the kids have to handwrite, you know, their essays and things that they're producing. Right. I mean, right. that that's totally an option. And one other thing I did think about like, as you're talking, Michelle, is to create activities um, that require creativity. Haha, <laughs> I said that a lot. Yeah. Um, but AI is very factual. It's going to give you factual mm-hmm. information. But the moment you have to be creative, which is the element that we're missing with AI, is, and they don't have that. So mm-hmm. you can't, mm-hmm. I mean, you can get information from AI, great. But if you want to be able to have them really show that they understand it, you know, creating some form of an image would be really neat. And I know that there's like images, like AI images that can generate images or whatever, but that costs money. And the amount of kids that have money to be able to spend like that, that's not a reality. So I would say, you know, find ways to be more creative, um, have things that are more abstract where the kids have to present something and have to discuss and talk about like why they've utilized these symbols to be able to represent a form of knowledge Mm -hmm, is really, mm -hmm. really big. And it's more advanced, um, but that is one way to, to incorporate more of those types of activities. I love that idea. And my brain was going there as well. And I can already imagine some pushback as some teachers might be like, well, I don't have time to come up with these new creative assignments. Well, if you're going to spend time trying to analyze whether these assignments were copied off of AI, just redirect that time. Like everything costs time. I I get it. But if it's going to make your life easier later on, because you're not having to track down whether Mm -hmm. they used AI, then there you go. Yep. 
All right, so we're gonna go ahead and give a little overview of this episode and what we're gonna discuss today. Because again, guys, it's a recess digress. This is chatty. This is us just kind of talking about three different topics. So the first thing that we wanna chat about is AI. (laughs) Get it? We just had that in our um, TSH. But we really wanna think about the role that it's playing in education and what we should and should not be doing with AI. We wanna talk about experts and how we should approach new learning in education with experts or with not experts. I mean, because you get both in professional development and which is the direction to go. And then we want to chat a little bit about TBT. And a lot of the schools are really coming down pretty firm with saying no more teachers pay teachers. And we just want to share our thoughts and hear what you guys think. Now, in case you missed it, the first recess digress was an episode we released back in October, episode 198. In that episode, we discussed back to school shopping and how we're like no longer triggered to buy all of the things. We chatted about professional development and like what teachers truly need for professional development and what it means to have good professional development. And then we also shared totally non-teaching related, our current must-watch shows and also some don't-watch shows. (laughs) So after you finish this episode, you can go back and listen to that one in case you missed it the first time. So let's go ahead and jump into AI. Recently, I have been, you know, during my moments of scrolling on Instagram, one of the things that I see so much about is, hey, use AI to help plan your lesson. Stop mm. spending all this time planning and have AI create your Google Slides for you or have AI, you know, write your questions for you. Have AI do this and that and this and that, which is good and great. But I want to dive into AI a little bit more because I think what's happening or what's being communicated online is that AI should do everything for us so that we don't have to do any of it. And maybe that's just my interpretation of it. But if we are constantly telling everybody just to use AI for everything, one of the things that I think we're missing is creativity. Yeah. And and, and that is the piece that, again, going back to Jane's TSH, that AI can't produce that for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you think, Michelle? You know, it's interesting because you would think with me being a pretty techie person that I would be all in this and I would have all this like information about AI and I have not spent a ton of time like researching it or even comparing different platforms. I see it some on social media, but honestly, I'm just not on social media as much as I used to be. However, all that being said, I feel like whenever there is new technology, which AI really isn't that new. AI has been around for a while. It has really started to like mushroom and advance lately, but it has been around for a while. But regardless, it's really taking over like the airwaves right now. Right. Whenever there is new technology, there comes a level of fear because people fear what they don't understand. And when technology is new, there are a lot of questions and concerns And not that those concerns are not valid, because there have been a lot of valid points that have been brought up within education and also within other areas, because I know I've seen things with AI that can take people's voices and be able to like recreate it. And then that's freaky. Yeah. And I've seen scams where people will have almost like a hostage type situation, but it's all fake through AI. Regardless, 
I also think it's important to look back at things that we used to fear within technology and realizing like, look, it it panned out to be a wonderful thing. And I think Mm -hmm. as humans, kind of going off of that creativity aspect and really that problem solving ability that we have as human beings, when there is a new technology, we find ways to kind of solve those issues that arise. Mm -hmm. And so I don't go into it with the fear and the looking at all the negatives. I like to look at, but what can this do for us? How can, how can this free up our time so that we can commit time to doing other things? So for example, if I could use AI to generate some basic questions, discussion questions, or even like testing type questions, can I then use my time and energy to come up with a creative project for my students to do? Do you know what I mean? I think it's all about how you use it. It is a tool. Right. And I think one of the biggest pieces is that communicating that to educators is incredibly important Mm -hmm. because the the message that is being thrown out there right now is that you don't need to do any of this. AI can do all of it for you. Now, Mm -hmm. I've been utilizing AI. I used it all last year when I was teaching. I loved using ChatGPT. I had it create questions for me. I would have it create uh, sentences that I wanted my students to be able to practice. Like if we were doing figurative language and I wanted them to practice, I'd be like, generate, you know, 15 simile, you know, sentences. And then I would say, add more details to make it more challenging. And it would constantly generate stuff for me. But it was great because it was like, oh, what would have taken me like 30 minutes, 45 minutes trying to generate some sentences like AI did it for me in two or three minutes, which was perfect, right? So there are some really big benefits for how we can utilize AI. I just worry that if we are throwing, and, and this is just my concern, right? That I feel like whenever something new comes out in education, we all like jump on it without Mm -hmm. stopping and thinking about how we're really utilizing it and whether the content, the information of what we are doing to these kids is really beneficial. And that's with anything. That's with technology. That's with core programs they get thrown out. That's with all these different things that they want teachers to use. We have to stop and think like, is this really going to help my kids critically think? Is this really going to push them creatively? Is this really going to engage them and excite them about the learning content? Because I'm going to be honest, the slides that you create in Canva that I've seen, oh, they're awful. AI, they're terrible. And they're I've awful. seen, I've seen reels of teachers saying like, oh, I had it created. And then I turned around and used it because I had 10 minutes before my class. And I'm like, you're freaking kidding me. Come on. Like yeah. those poor kids, poor kids, if you're using that to engage them and get them excited about the content that you're teaching. Yeah. It's funny because I shared about that in a Canva video that it's like, hey, this is an option. But meanwhile, I'm like, these are horrible. Like it is an option. And I think it can be a good starting yes, point. Thank right. Thank you. Thank you. And- but then you have to mold it, make it your own, which is exactly how like lesson plans should be. Right. Yes. If you have a box curriculum and you're given a lesson plan from that curriculum, hey, this is your jumping off point. This is a guide. But you need to go in and make it your own. We're just I'm given like, like this. I'm <laughs> bowing to you right now because that is so 
important and teachers don't get it. Like they think I'm just going to be handed something and that's what I'm going to use. No. I feel like that's the separator, right? The difference between good and great. Yes. I feel like because even before AI, if you think back, you know, within education the past few decades, I feel like good teachers will will teach the curriculum. I, I'm I'm figuring this out as I'm saying it, so I might go back and revise this. Good teachers will teach the curriculum. Great teachers will teach their students, meaning like they know how to give their students what they need. They know how to make it engaging. They know how to to make it pique their interest and how to bring their own personality as a teacher into it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to always exist, those levels, right? The the level of of commitment and and style and everything, regardless of AI or not. AI is just adding another layer to it. But I feel like there unfortunately will most likely always be teachers who they just do the bare minimum and you know, that sounds awful because I, I don't think I don't think that this ties into the whole working outside of contract hours because I think you can work within contract hours and be a phenomenal teacher. I'm talking about the teachers who literally will be given a curriculum and just go, okay, and teach it. And they don't put in that extra level of thought of how can I adapt this to fit my students? What's frustrating is then there are, are schools and districts where if you take it and put your own spin on it, that's frowned upon. And like, that is a huge issue. I have experienced that. And like, that's what is making the great teachers not want to stick around because they're like, well, hold on. I know what I'm doing is for the benefit of my students. And that's why I teach. I'm not a robot here to just regurgitate information and content that you're handing me. So why are we not valuing that creativity, right? That's that's a bigger issue, I think, in society is like yes. we, are, we are placing value on how quickly we can get things done and efficiency rather than the creativity. And oftentimes creativity is far more time consuming. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think... Um, when we really think about what AI can do for us, I mean, the possibilities are unbelievable. And it's amazing. And it's wonderful to see this technology come about. And for us to be using it inside of education. I think we just have to approach it with caution. We need to uh, really make sure that we're going back to the principles for how kids learn with explicit instruction, with, you know, multiple opportunities for practice, with uh, discussion, collaboration, like those are the elements that I don't want us to miss out on because Mm -hmm. we're utilizing AI to create a worksheet or to create something that, you know, is not going to be engaging and not beneficial to the learning for kids. So, Overall, I, you know, at the end of the day, I wish I would see more teachers out there on, on social media. And I think that's kind of the piece for me that I keep going back to is because I see it on social media and it just Mm -hmm. annoys me. (laughs) So I wish teachers on social media who are promoting AI could share about what AI would really do for them, whether it be to create a really creative project, whether it might be to, you know, use it as like a baseline for getting started when you don't know where to start to then support and creating this really cool lesson for your kids. 
But right yeah. now, what I see it is as a just don't do it yourself. Let AI do it. And I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. And I think maybe that's because like the reason so many teachers on social media are approaching it from that way is because when you're on social media and especially with short form content, when you have five, 10, 15 seconds to get someone's attention and to get a point across, it is easiest to show them here's a quick application, right? Here's exactly how you can use it to create this worksheet, create these slides. It's much harder to explain, okay, but if you use it to generate content for a practice activity and that frees up your time to plan a more creative lesson or to work one-on-one with students during that time, like that's the true benefit. It's harder to get that point across to people, especially in short form content. And that's why, you know, I'm not even in the TikTok realm, but everything I hear, it's like, so much of the information is either wrong or it's a very small piece of the puzzle, but it's because we are digesting such small forms of content and so rapidly that we don't have the time to get across the nuance and the details and all the important shiz. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because as you said that, I was like, ooh, I have a topic for another recess digress of whether you believe short form content is going to ever dwindle down. I mean, but that's for another day. So what we're going to do right now is take a break and we're going to come back and (laughs) switch gears into another topic. Bridget, our listeners didn't even know we were expecting, but do you want to share the good news? Of course I do. We have a new baby. (laughs) That's right. We have a new digital planner, but this one is personal. Yes, our new digital personal planner is now available in both Google Slides and tablet versions. Plus, it's a one-time purchase to reuse year after year. That's right. The personal planner is undated, which means that you can reuse it again and again without making a new purchase. You can grab it on sale 20% off for the entire month of February in our store at teachingonthedouble.com slash store. So consider your purchase a baby shower gift for us. But in reality, this planner will be the gift that keeps on giving to help you organize your personal life. So we hope you love your new bundle of joy. (laughs) All right, we are back. We're going to chat now about education and experts in education. And I have a story. (laughs) Go for it. I was going to say, you kind of brought this up, so I want you to take the lead. I did. So it's funny. um, I recorded right in December. I recorded a vlog. And in the vlog, um, I was sick. I mean, I wasn't feeling my very best. And I was still trying to present and, and do the work that I needed to do for work because that's what we do. And I, it wasn't bad, but I remember having a headache and not just being on my best game. And I, it was on advanced phonics and I had taken a lot of the information from, you know, research and the letters trainings that I've been going through. And I had copied down, it was a phoneme graphing mapping. I had copied down some practice 
for the teachers to do so that we could get some practice in on how to use a phoneme graphing map. And one of the words that I copied down was incorrect. And at the time, I did not think, oh, maybe I copied it down wrong. Right. <laughs> so it was WR. I had it separated in two different boxes when really W and R is a digraph and it needs to be together because it says R, right? It says R, mm-hmm. it's an R sound. And um, I had it separate. And man, I was like, wait a second, I copied it down. I mean, it it maybe it has something to do with like co-articulation. Like I was trying to like think through why it was separated, but I couldn't come up with something. So I had shared about that in the vlog about how I had made a mistake, but I sent out an email to those teachers and I like kudoed that teacher that spoke out and like questioned um, to her and said, hey, you were right. This is what it's meant to be. So I corrected myself, but mm-hmm. after the fact, right? And I got a comment on there of how basically how we need to have experts and how I wasn't an expert in advanced phonics and therefore I should not have been teaching advanced phonics to these teachers and that we only need to be bringing in experts because um, of misinformation and this and that. And guys, like at first it really annoyed me. (laughs) So like I was annoyed and I kept sitting and I kept thinking on it. I never replied. I never replied. I still haven't today. I have not replied. But in my head, I thought, isn't that how we got into this situation with reading in the first place? We made two, three people, technically. We have Fountas and Pinnell and we had Lucy Conkins. And we basically stamped them as the experts and we believed everything they said. And now look at the situation that we've been put in. Weren't they our experts? Who are the experts? Is research Are researchers the ex- experts? And if researchers are the experts, how are they going to help you be able to take that and put it into practice? Because majority of those researchers have never been classroom teachers. And so mm-hmm. then we're going to have the whole, well, they're not classroom teachers. What do they know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, wh- like, how are we supposed to make this even, how are we supposed to fix it? Like, what do you mean the experts is what we need to have in our professional development? What does that even mean? So it's funny that you say that you're like, yeah, I was kind of annoyed. I was annoyed when you told me because I think I'm also more sensitive to those types of comments being within the social media realm. We are exposed to a lot and yes. y'all would not believe some of the <laughs> the comments or emails that they you get from people. Throat. <laughs> it is It is terrifying to me that we have adult human beings who will treat complete strangers who are literally giving free content online that you choose to consume regardless. Okay. Yes. Deviating. Yep. Take a deep breath. So <laughs> here's my thought on the whole like experts. First of all, you brought up a good point of, well, what classifies you as an expert? Because technically if we're always learning more and as a just society as a whole, right? Our knowledge and understanding is always expanding because there are so many people and we have all these different ideas and we're able to research. 
So at what point do you become an expert? Because if you're an expert today, does that make you one tomorrow? Because unless you've caught up on all the learning that has taken place between yesterday and today, you may not be an expert anymore. Like the information is constantly changing. So how do you even classify the term expert? It reminds me of the word healthy. When people say healthy, I'm like, okay, but what does that mean to you? Because we all have different definitions. Mm-hmm. Also, going off of the research component, like you said, the people who are doing the research, A, they don't have time to then do the teaching. There has to kind of be middlemen, right? People in between who maybe don't have as good of an understanding of the research, but they have enough who can then communicate it to others. Plus, I just want to chime in and say, and this is not meant to be offensive to anyone. It's just a pattern I have noticed. A lot of times people who are deep in the research are not very good at communicating it to others in a way that they can understand because they have to know all of the rich vocabulary and terminology and all the data and the statistics that go along with it. It becomes very difficult for them to then relay that information in a way that's relatable for people to understand. There's a podcast I listen to within the health and fitness realm and the guy that hosts it He's very deep in the research and I love him, but I will listen to these episodes and I'm like, I I don't understand. Like right. he's not breaking it down in a way that can help someone like me, like very run of the mill, understand the information. And I think that would be the issue with a lot of the quote unquote experters or experts being the researchers trying to then relay that information. But also the other side of this is why are we not allowing people, human beings, to make mistakes? We know as classroom teachers, that is literally how learning happens. You have to make mistakes. So why are we not allowing anyone in any sort of higher education, whether that be classroom teachers or administrators or people in the professional development realm, or realm, why are we not allowing them to make mistakes and to see that as valuable? The fact that you went back after and acknowledged, hey, I made this mistake, like that is modeling what good learning is. And it reminds me of that Rita Pearson TED Talk, Every Kid Needs yes. a Champion. Yes. Love that TED Talk. Same. But she talks about how she was teaching like ratios to her kids. And she got home that day and realized she taught it completely wrong. And she went back in the next day and she's like, I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I had this completely wrong. And they're like, it's fine, Miss Pearson. We knew you were wrong, but you were so excited. We just let you go. <laughs> but that is what good teaching is. Yeah. Why are we not embracing that more? Why do we see that as a bad thing? Yeah. And I mean, I could go on and on about that entire comment forever. And majority of you guys don't want to listen to it because it's me just letting out steam. But it goes into what you were talking about with Michelle, like, you know, having professional development. Like, what does it really mean? What do, what do we need as teachers when it comes to that professional development? Like, what does mm-hmm. education truly need? in order to help support teachers in the classrooms. Like, it's great that this school that I went to, I mean, that was the fifth time that I had been to that school. I have one more time that I have to go there, that they're investing so much time in giving teachers professional development, right? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Is it a bad thing that they're utilizing me as their professional development? I mean, obviously through the IU, right? Through the educational agency that I represent, Um, not as me as an individual. 
Now, I mean, would I say that I am a complete expert in everything? Absolutely not. Because if I was an expert in everything, then my parents to the kids that I taught mean they would expect me to be the expert in the content that I was teaching. Was I the expert in everything that I taught? No, I wasn't. I am constantly learning. I am constantly evolving and growing as a professional. And I model that for my students, just like you said, Mm -hmm. with that TED talk. Like we come back and we say, hey, actually, I thought about this. It was like in my brain. And here's where I think we should talk about next. Or actually, let's correct something that we talked about the, the day before. Like thinking that experts are the solution to the problem in education is just wrong. It's not experts. It's this idea of having a growth mindset. And I'm going to point out something in just a second because um, I am working with a school right now and I, I go every single week to this school and there are a couple of teachers there that are very grounded in um their guided reading, you know, they did a reading specialist, got reading specialist, master's degrees like in 2015, and they're really grounded in guided reading. They don't want to budge from anything that they're doing. You know, they're stuck in their way of this is what I'm doing. And I don't understand why you're making me do this. And I don't understand why we're doing this. And why do kids need to learn this? Listen, I am not the expert in the thing that I am presenting to you. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But as teachers, if we cannot have growth mindset and we cannot evolve in education and change the way that we're thinking, like your kids aren't doing well. The data shows it. Like, and if you think that that data that's coming out is what it's just because of the kids, then we're wrong. Right. We have to evolve and change and make adjustments based on what our kids need. And it is that I think growth mindset more than anything is something that we all need as educators. Yes, we should question the professional development we're getting. Yes, we should question the experts, but not so much question them to where we're like saying, you're wrong, you're not right, this is wrong, what I'm doing is right, right, right. But question in the sense of like as a professional saying, you know what, that's a really good point. But what about this? How does it connect to this? And let me hear your side of the story here so that I can then make connections to what it is that I'm currently doing and share my thoughts with it. But I'm trying to like grow and evolve in what I'm doing in in, in my classroom. I went all the way around in that one. It was like a, it was, it was like a, a squiggly line of thoughts. But I think you're right that the growth mindset is a huge part of it. And I think it's something we preach to our students, but we don't always practice as adults because again, it's easier said than done. And so it's funny when we get on students for getting frustrated and shutting down when we do it all the time as teachers, it just, you know, resonates in a different way. But I also think what has happened over time is teachers have lost trust in professional development. Agreed. I agree. Because Because, it's terrible. (laughs) Yes, because they have been burned time and time again, mostly by some of these experts. (laughs) But regardless, um, I think over time, teachers have become bitter toward professional development. They resent it. And I'm not going to say those feelings aren't valid. I think they are. But I think we as a whole, as a community, need to be able to realize 
just poo-pooing on professional development as a whole and kind of putting ourselves above it. Well, I don't need that. That's not going to help me. That's not good. Is not solving the problem because it's just going to create more problems. Because as you said, if we're not learning and growing and adapting to the way our kids are changing, the way that we are changing education based on new research, based on new information, then we're not making progress. Mm -hmm. So I think that there has to be a level of, there has to be give and take on both sides, right? Teachers need to be able to say, okay, look, I get it. Like professional development is important, but I would like to point out the PD I've had in the past has not been great. Here's what I need. And like, we need to find this middle ground. It's just a matter of like, who is going to do that? Do you know what I mean? Because we're all selfish. (laughs) We all have our, our own interests in mind. And so teachers, Mm. they are so worried about their work-life balance, their students, their classroom. They become very protective and almost territorial over it. And then the uppers, the people outside of the classroom that are making some of these decisions, you've brought up before, like they have to answer to certain people. And so they're trying to protect their job and make sure they're doing a good job based on what they're told. And really, I feel like what we need are more like disruptors, more people who are willing to step outside of that comfort zone, who are willing to make some noise, who are willing to say like, hey, this isn't working rather than just head down, go with the status quo and hope it all gets better. Yeah, I think that's a really good ending point. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's move into TBT drama. Yeah, so I had a story and it connects back to the AI and- I wanted to share it with you. So I'm in a lot of TPT groups on Facebook of like sellers. And so I will, I'm not super active in the groups, but every now and then a a post will surface and I spend some time reading, you know, the comments Mm -hmm. with some popcorn Yeah, (laughs) as we all do. So there was a (laughs) seller. I don't even think that they were like a teacher. I think there's a lot of like bots and people in random countries who are creating these stores Uh and using AI to generate the content for the stores. And so this was a worksheet set that had been generated with AI. Do you know, you would know, especially coming from like the kindergarten realm Mm -hmm. when like, it'll be one word and they have to practice like tracing the word and like, you know, those things. So it was that type of worksheet, but because they used AI to generate it, the word cover earmuffs on your kids. Well, I'll just spell it out. It was H-E double hockey sticks. Not that that's a super bad word, but, (laughs) but can you imagine? And I think it was part of a set. So other pages were fine, but can you imagine if you were a teacher and you just bought this set and then you print out these pages and then there's that word for the kids to practice like, but even though it is kind of funny to a certain degree. It's also scary and terrifying. A, I think an element of responsibility falls on the teacher to vet the content that you are are purchasing and right. using with your students. However, I think a lot of the responsibility needs to fall on TBT yes. to better be able to filter this content because it is making the TPT creator community as a whole look bad. And as you said, schools and districts, they already were skeptical of TPT, but then things like this start coming out and you know, they end up on the news, they go viral, yeah. and that is what is causing them to just ban TPT as a whole, which I don't agree with because I do think there is 
phenomenal content on there created by teachers. It is exactly what teachers need. But TPT needs to do a better job of filtering the content that ends up on the site. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. And I cannot believe that that is happening right now. I did not know that. I didn't know that AI was generating content for Teachers Pay Teachers. So that was very new information for me. But going back to that whole idea of a lot of schools are really hammering down on utilizing content. You're right. The teacher needs to be responsible for one, vetting the content. And I've had always had a love-hate relationship with Teachers Pay Teachers because I agree with you, Michelle. There are, there are a lot of creators out there that are freaking amazing creators, amazing creators, right? But then there's also really bad stuff that's out there. I mean, it is a it is just like glorified worksheets, one after another after another. Mm-hmm. And it's like, absolutely, is that really the learning that we want our students to be doing? Because let me tell you, my babes come home and he comes home with like papers, like stacks of papers that he's doing. I'm like, how is this good learning? Like, no wonder my kid doesn't want to go to school every single day because he doesn't want to sit in a desk and do worksheets every day. It drives him nuts. Like, he is not that kind of a learner. And so I just, like, I, I really worry, and I don't know the answer to it. Maybe it is, Michelle, that it is, it needs to be teacher vetted, it needs to be, have conversations around, maybe there needs to be a PLC where they go through certain TBT pieces. But if that's the case, if we really want vetting to be happen, then schools need to be paying for these like teachers pay teachers materials that are going to enhance the lessons from these terrible core programs that they have implemented inside of these classrooms versus it coming out of the you know, the teacher's pocket. But then you have a PLC where the teachers get together and they vet those those materials and say, yeah, this is going to be really good for our kids. We can use it. It's high quality. It's creative. It cri- It's like critical thinking skills, like all of the things. And then use it as like a grade level team. I don't know the answer to it, but it's it's just, it's sad because the teachers that are out there are now who have been set been told no you can't use tbt are just saying well i'm just going to use the core program and y'all the core programs are not good they're not good like i have ckla in front of me for k through sixth grade like it's it's okay it's not perfect there is not a single core program out there that is absolutely perfect for your kids' needs. It's not going to be explicit enough. It's not going to scaffold the learning. It's not going to go in depth enough where they're critically thinking. That's something that's really done through the teacher, not the core mm-hmm. program. But a lot of people are saying, well, I'm just going to stick to this. Well, your scores are not going to increase. I'm just going to tell you because I had a school where they had a program and they're like, well, our scores are not good. They haven't been good for this many years. And I'm like, well, that's because you're using this core program. Everybody's using this core program. Maybe that core program isn't the best and our scores are not increasing because of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, it's not a clear, here's a solution. Yeah, It's a multi-layered issue. And I think... For me, what bothers me about districts just banning TPT, it's the message that it sends to their teachers of, we don't trust you as professionals to 
be able to vet materials and whatnot. Meanwhile, the materials that they are vetting and deeming appropriate to yes. use, we know are not quality. Oh, so I'm sorry. it's ironic, <laughs> but so to me, as an educator, that bothers me. And again, I'm coming from the place of I've had that experience in some districts and I just, I don't agree that that's what's best for education of one singular person making the decisions. It should be a collaborative effort and we need to put more trust in our teachers. But at the same time, in order to earn and keep that trust as teachers, we need to make sure that we are vetting materials and that we are putting in that extra effort and not just slapping a worksheet down in front of our kids. But at the same time, to have the time and energy to do that, we need to take off the useless responsibilities that we're placing on teachers' plates that shouldn't be there to begin with. The meaningless paperwork and meetings, et cetera. Like, and that's the the problem is there are all of these issues that are all compounding. And mm-hmm. it's like we're not we're not able we're not able to see I guess how these are all interconnected and and crossing over each other. But at the end of the day, a lot of what education is, is that they are doing things to us instead of with us. Mm. Yeah. I agree with that. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I mean, real quick, before we end it, I just feel like there ends up being that straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Yes. I'm going to make a quick comparison to like powerlifting. And within powerlifting, there's all these different federations. And what happens is one federation will continually make bad decisions or just make up rules that no one likes, whatever. And there will be kind of this mass exodus where people are like, I'm I'm going to leave and go to another federation. And sometimes that's what it takes is, is, people being able to be like, you know what, this isn't working. Like I'm going to step away. And that forces change, right? Like it's no different than doing like a boycott or something like that. Obviously it's not as easy with an education because we have kids that need to be taught. But I, I think we're in that realm right now because you see in record numbers, teachers leaving the profession Mm -hmm. and Rather than like what annoys me is when people then blame the teachers. Oh, well, you gave up. How how dare you leave? How? Well, no, 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 no. This is for everyone's benefit. We need people speaking out and leaving and going, this isn't working. I'm not going to continue to put up with this in order for there to be change. So instead of shaming the people who are actually trying to do something rather than sitting there and being complacent in a system we know is broken, we need to then put the pressure back on the people who have the power to make the decisions and to correct them to better improve the system for the future. I'm done. <clears throat> that was very beautifully said. And you were absolutely right. It was very fuel in the, in yeah. the fire. <laughs> yeah. She was like on a roll, guys. Um, so hopefully you all enjoyed this little recess digress. I mean, it was little as like a really lengthy one, but hopefully you enjoyed it. If you want to share your thoughts, I mean, DM us over on Instagram. So pocket full of primary and bridging dot literacy name change. And um, let us know your thoughts on any of the three topics that we've just shared here. We would love for you to head over to the website teaching on the 
mamadouble.com to submit your time-sucking hurdle. And while you're there, you can also visit our planners. We have personal planners out. They're 20% off for the month of February. So be sure to go to our store and check those out there. If you have not already, subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified when we drop our new episode, which is on Thursday mornings. And we would love if you would take the time to leave us a review over on iTunes. It really does help us to get into the ears of so many other teachers out there. We appreciate you. We love you all. Thank you so much for joining us in on this episode. And until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.